morning, everyone, and welcome to episode 28 of the Retrospectors podcast. My name is Patrick Arthur, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, James Sterlings. How are you going this fine evening, James? Oh, you know how I'm going, Patrick. I'm salty as hell because you took all my money last night, and you know it. I know, I know. It does feel good to be swimming in my riches. <laughs> I had James and a few friends over for uh, poker last night, and uh, I walked out with four times the money I started with, and we were playing for pretty serious stakes. From memory, it was a $10 buy-in. $10 buy-in, so... guys. Big money. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I plan to retire from this podcast and from my job and go live on a desert island somewhere. Now that I've uh, now that James has uh, swimming in dollar bills, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, if I break it up into five cents, I can probably fill a cup with it. <laughs> it wasn't all bad for me. I mean, like I uh, I got very drunk at the start of the game, which is a brilliant idea, <laughs> and then lost my money like three times in a row and just kept buying in like an idiot. But at the end, I was only eight dollars down thanks to some uh real lucky hands so i think i'm a little grateful that the uh luck turned on me yeah if, at the end of the day if you if you paid eight dollars for you know five hours of fun playing poker that's uh that's a pretty that's good pretty price. good yeah it's better yeah, than what you'll get at the casino. even if i did look like an idiot for uh, the majority of the night <laughs> <laughs> so uh here on the retrospectors podcast what we do is we don't talk about poker as uh, tempting as it is to do at times, we talk about classic video games, uh, video games that are at least 15 years old. We look at games from the 90s and early 2000s, and we ask ourselves if these classics have truly stood the test of time. Each fortnight, we play through a classic game from start to finish, and then um, we come back and we have a uh, discussion about it, and we kind of have a retro review to see if it was an enjoyable game to play and to see if there are any lessons that can be learned from these games of the past that have been forgotten, I guess, in modern developer AAA cycles. Yeah, and most importantly, here at the Retrospectors podcast, we don't give a rat's ass whether that game was good back in the day we only care if it was fun to play now. We don't forgive bad control schemes, bad graphics, bad texture work, none of that. If it's not fun to play anymore, we're going to let you know. You know, some of these games definitely best being left to the history books, and it's our job to figure out which ones are still fun to play today. It's the same with, like, books and movies. There are some movies that you can watch today and enjoy them from, a, like, a modern audience perspective, and there's others where maybe you'll appreciate it if you've got a degree in film or whatever but otherwise it's not worth your time we want to know is this worth your weekend to play now in 2020 yeah we're uh we're sacrificing our hard-earned time <laughs> to uh the rigorous task of playing video games for your benefit so <laughs> you better be grateful <laughs> and um this fortnight we did a game of james's choosing uh each fortnight we alternate and james chose a title called Katamari Damacy. And uh, once again, James has picked the weirdest, obscurest, Japanesest game in existence. And uh, we'll be getting into that in just a moment. But before we get into our discussion of the game proper, we have a mailbag question. Moving into 2020, we want to take one mailbag question a fortnight from our Discord and implement that into the episode. So if you have any questions you want to ask us, please drop by our Discord or be in the show notes um, to participate in the discussion or get our thoughts on any topic you desire. So James, what was our question this week? 
Okay, so the question this week comes from Discord user Vexus, so thank you for the question. And his question is, can you think of any games that you forced yourself to play through? Patrick, do you have any games like this? It's funny because I think that nowadays the answer is no. Like if I look at my recent history of playing video games, if I'm not enjoying myself with the game, I just stop playing it nowadays. So I have a big long list of unfinished video games. But there was one game that really sprang to mind as a game that I felt compelled to finish. And that game is Bioshock Infinite. Oh. So I was a massive fan of the Bioshock games. The first Bioshock, obviously, I loved. And I think the second one is even better. And the DLC for it is fantastic as well. So when Bioshock Infinite came out, which looked incredible, and I was really excited to see the next evolution on the genre and like the conclusion of the trilogy. And instead, I got an uninspired, bland, sort of mediocre shooter. But the problem was I felt like I had already kind of bought into it. Like I got about halfway through it and I was getting bored and tired of just mowing down hundreds of identical looking guys. But I felt compelled to finish it to find out where the plot would end up. And I'll tell you this much, I would not do this today. If Bioshock Infinite was released today and I got to that point where I was bored of the gameplay, I would drop it like a hat. But because I was so engaged, I guess, with the broader the broader trilogy, I uh, finished it and I regretted doing it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't regret playing the game as much as you did. I, you know, overall enjoyed it. But, you know, like thinking about Bioshock Infinite today, I don't think there's any way I'd go back and actually play it. I think um, a lot of my fondness for the game comes from the, like, the ending and a couple of the more enjoyable characters. But I think as a whole, it probably wasn't as fun as I remember. The thing about Bioshock Infinite's ending, and I think a big reason the game received the praise it did is that that final 15 to 20 minutes is so bombastic and mind-blowing I think you really get caught up in it and I did as well like when I finished the game I kind of you know sat back from my computer a bit going whoa but then over the next couple of days as I decompressed and I guess tried to understand how I felt about the game as a whole I realized that, you know, I'd just been dazzled by the pretty lights and that substantially Bioshock Infinite is not a very good game. And I mean, if you like the story, you like the story, but I I felt like I was tricked. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, As for me, I think the big one that stands out for me is Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. When I was a kid, Ocarina of Time was my favorite, favorite game for a long, long time. And, you know, this was finally you know, the spiritual successor that I'd really wanted for a long time. So I sat down to play it and I just really didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I was going to. But because it was the spiritual successor to my favorite, favorite game, I just kept forcing myself to play it until the very end. And at the end, I was like, eh, really shouldn't have done that. It was a big disappointment. There was a couple of bits of the game that I really enjoyed, but for the most part, it really just didn't hit the same chord with me that Ocarina did. And I think it's probably a thing of expectation versus reality. The game probably wasn't that bad, but I think over the years I had built up this kind of expectation and this hype for myself, you know. I got really excited about the game to the point where, being realistic, I could never meet my expectations. So yeah, that's definitely the one big example for me. 
It seems like in both instances, it's because we'd bought into, I guess, a larger story. Yeah. And, you know, the next chapter, you felt obliged to finish it. I um, I will say that I think the thing that ultimately killed my investment in the broader stories was the game Duke Nukem Forever. Duke Nukem 3D was like my childhood game. I spent so much time playing that as a kid. And Duke Nukem Forever was like... I was like, finally, they're finally giving me a sequel to it. And instead, it was like a game that's a two out of 10. And that's being generous. Yeah, being generous. <laughs> yeah. So my dreams were shattered from that point onwards. And I guess my belief in hype kind of died that Died day. out with that. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, uh, thank you very much for the question, Vexus. Um, and like I said, if you would like to ask us a question, please do drop by the Discord and don't hesitate to ask. We only answer the best question each fortnight, so make sure you put some effort into it and make it a good one, and uh, we will promise to answer it thoroughly. But uh, now it's time for the main topic, and the main topic is, as I mentioned early, Katamari Damacy. So Katamari Damacy was developed and published by Namco for the PlayStation 2 and was first released in Japan in March 2004. It came to the United States and Australia later in that same year. The version we played uh, for the cast when we uh, was is called Katamari Damacy Reroll, which is an HD remaster of the original game. It was released in 2018 on both Windows and the Nintendo Switch. We both played the Steam version because we were able to get it at a decent price when the Steam sale was on. As far as I can tell, uh, it seems like it was only a like a graphical and quality of life fix-up. There was an additional control scheme that existed, but really in terms of gameplay, it's pretty much identical. Yeah, it's basically like a remaster plus almost. It's just like it looks a lot nicer, but the gameplay and mechanics are pretty identical. So honestly, I think um, in general on the show, what we're going to do is when a remaster like this exists, we're probably going to play that as long as, you know, in general, the games community agrees that it's pretty good and, you know, ultimately very faithful to the original. Something like Resident Evil 2 remaster, however, is like pretty significant significantly different to the base game so in that case i think we choose to opt for the original version and uh if the remaster like hurts gameplay like the silent hill 2 remaster where it like destroyed the fog effects and atmosphere will obviously steer far clearer yeah definitely but yeah, if it's just a touch up in graphics and it's a lot easier to access legally on pc or whatever yeah we'll go for the remit master yep so the premise of Katamari Damacy does need <laughs> some explanation because, as always, James has picked a weird game. So the basic story, and please do bear with me, the king of the cosmos has the had... The king an, of all cosmos, oh, sorry. not the cosmos. The, the king of all cosmos has had what seems to be an all-night bender, like he's gotten really smashed on drugs <laughs> or alcohol or something. And in doing so, he inadvertently destroyed all the stars in the sky <laughs> and the moon. <laughs> it's and, almost uh, like something out of a, like a mythological tale. Exactly, except but, it's uh, yeah, a bit stupider. Yeah. Except it's happening in the present day. And uh, the way he got, he thinks the best way to fix this is to get his son, the prince, to roll up objects on Earth, which he can then throw into the sky and turn into stars. Don't think too much about it. 
the way the prince goes about it, and this is the core gameplay of Katamari Damacy, is that he controls an object called a Katamari, which I don't think is a real thing. I think it's... Uh, it's just a little sticky ball, basically. Yeah, it's a sticky ball. And uh, it rolls over objects. And as long as the object that you're rolling over is, you know... I don't know, like about a quarter the size of your yeah, of your katamari. Just small enough, yeah. It'll stick to the katamari and kind of get sucked up into it, kind of like a snowball, how a snowball works. And what you do in Katamari Damacy, the primary gameplay loop, is that you roll objects into your katamari and the katamari gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And as it grows, you can get larger and larger objects into your katamari, etc. And I mean, etc. in its truest meaning there, because there <laughs> everything is... you can possibly imagine can be rolled into the Katamari. And there's no real, I mean, it, it ends when, uh, when you have, you know, when you have a Katamari the size of the earth. So there's, yeah. there's no end to it. Yeah, like you start off in the very first level and each level is a short timed mission, about seven minutes long, except for maybe the last two, which are substantially longer. And you've got seven minutes to start with a katamari the size of a thumbtack and then you roll up like 30 thumbtacks and then you can roll up pencils and then by the end of the level you're like rolling up full-sized people because <laughs> your katamari's grown large enough so there's a real sense of progression through each kind of level. Patrick how did you um feel about the you know the general gameplay? It's it's very simple isn't it but at um at its core level I found it very satisfying thanks to as we said that kind of progression from rolling up thumbtacks to rolling up massive objects at the end. I found it very satisfying. Yeah, I think um, it, it's funny because the satisfaction didn't actually click immediately because you start off on such a tiny scale yes. that I think you don't quite appreciate um, the increases in size as much. Like from our perspective as human beings, the difference in the size between like your wallet and I don't know, a dice isn't like hugely appreciable. Mm. I think the moment where it began to click for me and I was like, this is awesome. There's a moment where you, I think you break out of a, a zoo or you break out of an area and you like roll down this massive hill into a town. And then you start rolling up everything in the town. Yeah. So, so up to that point, you were kind of locked inside a house or like a house in a backyard. And when you transfer from that size environment to a full town environment, that felt like a significant step up. And, it, you know, it also opened up the possibility of, huh, maybe I get to roll up these human beings. Yeah. <laughs> so from that point onwards, I had completely bought into the progression, but I think it, it took a couple of levels for me to reach that point. Yeah, do you think it was due to the actual levels themselves or do you think it's more of a skill thing? I feel like, and I didn't do this to test it, I should have, but I think if I went back to those earlier levels, I could make definitely make my Katamari a lot bigger than I did the first time around. This game's controls, I would say, say they're almost clumsy on purpose. They're not awful, but they are a bit unwieldy to begin with, and I did find myself getting a lot better at controlling the game by the time I was at the end. So first up, there's two control schemes. There's the easy control scheme where you have the camera on one stick and then your character's movement on the other. I think it's a mistake to play the game on that control scheme, which is yeah. really funny <laughs> when I spend like so much time complaining it about it for every every other game yeah the complicated control scheme is really weird as you said you use 
up and down to move your Katamari around. And if you press up and down simultaneously, you'll turn faster. On a controller, you use both the left and the right analog sticks at the same time, which is kind of weird. So if you're holding forward on both sticks at the same time, your Katamari goes forward. If you hold backwards on both, you go back. And the same is true of left and right. But then if you hold the sticks up and down at the same time, you start rotating faster. Like, towards the direction yeah that you're holding down in so turning with that way was a bit unintuitive to begin with but i think by the end i was pretty good at it yeah me too and um i looked up because i was trying to understand what the hell was going on so i did look it up online to see what it was meant to be and apparently the way to understand it is that each control like trigger is meant to be one of the prince's hands. hands yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i felt that way totally got that when i was playing it, it didn't click for me so yeah when you're sitting there with the controllers it's very tactile like yeah. at, at the end of it you really feel like you're the one pushing, pushing the, the ball, ball along, yeah and that's what it's meant to uh yeah so when i first started i was very very clumsy but like you said by the end of the game i was able to execute some very tight turns and maneuvers as I, you know, swung my Katamari around like mad. So this this control scheme is weird, but once you get the hang of it, it feels really good. Yeah. So I don't think it's just a gimmick. I, th I think it's good. Yeah, I think it absolutely has to be this way. You know, at the start, it's almost like you're fighting the controls, but you, you understand that it's probably your fault and not the controls. Like the controls always do exactly what you want. And ultimately they're very simple. It's just that you've likely never controlled a game like this before. Um, so you're gonna find that, you know, you get a lot better as you go on. And I think that's ultimately to the game benefit i will say there's a way to create like a boost for your katamari yes. and i never i never got the hang of it i i don't know about you yeah i was never able to make the most use of it either i kind of just wish that one was on a dome button but i kind of get it it's never really required either yeah. like this isn't an intense like action platformer it's not like you're expected to execute specific difficult maneuvers like jumps over gaps or anything it's more that general dexterity and efficiency is is the way to go yes. so the more dexterous and accurate you can control your Katamari, the more effective you'll be able to progress through the level and gradually scale up. Yeah, and when you say it's not like the most intense game ever, what you actually mean is it's probably one of the easiest games you'll ever play, or at least I had that experience. Um, the game's levels are timed, yes, but usually the timer is so generous that you can meet the minimum requirements to beat the level in half the time that the timer takes, even on your first try of the level. But I generally found that the timer's purpose was less to challenge the player and more just to like encourage you to try and play quickly in order to, you know, maximize the score that you were getting. Because I guess at the end of the day, it's more like a high score game than necessarily just trying to beat the level. There are a couple of interesting things I wanted to say about the timer. Um, the first is that because the your Katamari kind of scales, what's the word, like exponentially? Yes. Because your Katamari scales exponentially, the timer is kind of a bit misleading because it can take half your time to go from like five centimeters to a meter. 
but then a meter to five meters takes, I don't know, 30 seconds if you find the right objects to run over. So I was panicking at times thinking, oh my God, I only have three <laughs> minutes left. And then I just hit hit the goal in the next minute as I started sucking everything up. Yeah, yeah. Once you, uh, once you get going, you really start get going in this game. You know, you go from struggling to pick up like rulers and pencils to suddenly like you're picking up every person you can see and then you're picking up every car. And then mm-hmm. like, you know, like previously, Previously, you just you thought the houses around you were nailed to the floor. They're actually also objects as well, because uh, <laughs> as your katamari gets bigger and bigger, the smaller objects kind of despawn off screen. And I think the really large objects go from being static props to being like singular objects. Like I'm pretty sure at some point there's a transition where they turn into objects. I don't think they are the entire time, but I can't quite tell. But yeah, definitely. No, no, it it definitely would be that way but it's smooth enough that it doesn't matter i'm sure it's like a rolling transition (laughs) yeah no and it does it pretty seamlessly too i found it really satisfying um near the end of the level where you were just sucking up absolutely everything and like things you did not expect in your wildest dreams to ever be able to absorb like when you're a little thumbtack and there are like 80 story skyscrapers around you you're never gonna get that big (laughs) but you too trust me you do and it's great the the other thing i want to say about the time well firstly i need to admit there was one level where i did run out of time there was this one section of the level levels i should say because it's kind of like a repeating level that expands yeah that i found a little tricky to get through where you kind of roll onto a football field and then roll onto the roof of a building through a gap to get to like the next level up i don't know if you know what i'm talking about yeah i know what you're talking about yeah so so the first time i was trying to execute that maneuver to find more stuff to roll up i like just could not get it like i (laughs) I spent so long trying to do it and then the time i finally got up there a car immediately hit me and sent me spiraling yeah yeah so i ran out of time on that mission but the rest of the time i easily cleared easily cleared and like previously on the show we kind of criticized a game like kirby's nightmare in dreamland for being so easy that it was boring katamari is a pretty easy game like you're not going to lose very often i don't think i lost you know once in my entire playthrough but it's not that that lack of challenge doesn't make it unenjoyable to play i think katamari is a very engaging game the entire time you're playing it because you're really just pushing yourself to try and pick up as much stuff as you can it's less i guess it's like it's more of a high score game where you're trying to do the best that you possibly can right so i had um i had a suggestion for an alternative way they could have done this and i wanted to know what you thought so the levels each level is actually quite long so i'll give you like nine minutes or 15 minutes or whatever and i was thinking what if instead of having it be a 15 minute level with a generous time limit couldn't you split that into four or five segments with checkpoints and then if you failed to hit a certain size katamari by a certain uh, time limit, you know, every th- in three minute sections, it sent you back to the previous one. And that would mean that you could have tighter time limits without it being so punishing that you lose like 15 minutes of progress. Yeah, so with that, I don't mind that idea, but I think those kinds of levels would have to be relegated to like challenge side levels. One of the things mm-hmm. about katamari for me is that it's a very, and I guess the 
the only way I can describe it is it's a very zen experience. Like it's very relaxing to play, I found. Even though there is a timer which usually, you know, causes a bit of anxiety in the player, I really found myself just chilling out and having a lot of fun just rolling about picking stuff up. And I think that you still want to have a lot of levels where there's that level of like relaxation along with, you know, maybe a couple more challenges. Because I do think the game could use a few more challenging levels, absolutely. Yeah, I'm in two minds about it because I keep thinking, what if there was no time limit? And I think if there was no time limit, the game would be worse. I agree, yeah. Yeah, originally I thought that, yeah, this game shouldn't have a time limit, but you do need something pushing you on. But maybe it just hits the right balance of giving you just enough anxiety where <laughs> it's nothing that makes you panic about it, but it's enough to keep, you know, to keep push you, you pushing along, on. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. I had that in my notes. I think the easy timer definitely gives you that little nudge towards trying to be efficient with your time without really stressing you out. And that allows you to like, you know, comfortably enjoy the relaxing nature of the game while also, you know, it keeps you engaged. It keeps you wanting to do the best, most efficient moves that you can. And if it wasn't there i don't think it would push you towards that well i guess one of the things that i'd raise i guess as a reason to have a more generous time limit or to remove it would be the fact that these levels are filled with lots of cool sort of things going on yeah. like the creators of the levels had a lot of fun uh putting a lot of the models in stupid combinations yes definitely yeah like who the hell puts like 30 bottles of soy sauce in the middle of the road well, right it's like... stuff like that but there's also stuff like uh there's a band of three people that you keep running into and like yeah. originally they're just standing on the side of the road but then they're riding an elephant and then they're standing on each other's shoulders and i think that when you're being pushed by the time limit to roll everything up you can't really stop and properly appreciate all of the effort and care that's been put into... Put into the levels? Yeah, that's been put into yeah. the levels, right? Because you're just like, I don't care. I need to make my Katamari life. Yeah, yeah. So I think I, I agree with that. There's a lot of charm and artistry to the way that the levels are put together in this game. Like, it's a very fun game that absolutely does not take itself too seriously. And you see that a lot with all the silly items just littered in the most bizarre places all through the level. And I love that about Katamari. Yeah, when, um, when they're completely randomly just sitting there, I'm actually less keen on it because Katamari does have this... You know, it needs to give you enough stuff to roll up so you, that you can continue to scale up. And if the levels yeah. weren't littered with stuff, you wouldn't be able to do that. But it's more enjoyable when I guess they're arranged more artistically as opposed to yeah, them just sitting in the middle of the road. And there's a fair balance of both. And I wonder if this game could have been... I wonder if even more care could have been put into those random objects all over the place because when they are there for a reason, it's far more enjoyable. Like one of the early levels is a game of Mahjong and it makes sense that there's hundreds of tiles, you know, set up like they are or there'll be um, some food surrounded by plates and forks and it's like, well, okay, that makes sense. There's stuff to roll up. But you'll also get, you know, the road will just be covered in... I don't know, 
what what's a random object will be covered in flyers dust pans and stuff dust like pans, that yeah. yeah they'll just be 20 dust pans kind of littering <laughs> a road and it's like uh this could have been done better well i read in an interview um that i was reading about i was reading up on the creation of this game because i was quite interested on how such a bizarre game could come to be and um one of the like the director said that i don't know if you read this interview either but he said that the whole purpose of katamari was like a commentary on rampant consumerism what? <laughs> and <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i kind of get that when i see like you know the levels of this game just filled with junk it's like who could own all this stuff <laughs> man katamari is not a commentary on fucking anything that guy's mad <laughs> has he played his game his own game man okay so this game literally has a series of cutscenes that play that have nothing to do with anything it's just like the you know what i'm talking about the random cutscenes that play between every single level of the family okay i, I want to put this to you right so the game has a lot of weird random elements that are all put together and when i started playing this game i thought it was just completely random with like no thought put in it to ever but now once i finish the game right i think that i think this game is actually incredibly like cohesive i think that everything is there to build this really consistent tone somehow out of all this random stuff they've put together that i can only describe as the katamari tone i just i don't know how to put it into words like this game makes me feel this way consistently throughout um and everything kind of works together towards making me feel this way that i can't define like i think katamari has fantastic charm i actually love its weirdness and quirkiness but i defy any one to explain it <laughs> like <laughs> no no that's fair enough i won't argue with that these cutscenes that play and there's like 10 of them they play every time you beat a level it follows a daughter a son and their mother as they're going to meet their father who's an astronaut and it's just like it's just the biggest nothing I don't I don't understand why those cutscenes are even there. I don't I don't know what purpose they serve at all. It's I mean, in the cutscenes you kind of see your character doing stuff in the background and you like it's like you feel the impacts of your work through the regular people of Earth because you're not you're not a human. You're playing as a, the diminutive prince of all cosmos. Yeah, but it's told in such like a straight-faced bland way. Like it's <laughs> it's so it's weird. No, there's like <laughs> no appreciation there's no tragedy it's just like the mum's not even paying attention to anything it's just weird i don't i don't get it it's a game full of contradictions and uh, the story i want to i want to ask you this like did you notice the really weird like dark undertones like following not necessarily the human story but the prince and his father's relationship for example is like borderline abusive at times yeah it's funny because i yeah the prince and the father's relationship is definitely abusive but then again they are gods so maybe that's just normal for them i mean the entire story is your dad got really drunk and broke everything and then in order to fix it you go around murdering people in order to roll them up into this big ball to replace the stars yeah also he refuses to take responsibility he's for like, what he did he, yeah. he's always like he's always like 
Ah, have you ever been to the to Poland? It's really beautiful. Not that you'll have any time to actually holiday because you need to spend all your time rolling up this Katamari. But I don't know. It didn't feel dark at all to me. Like not even remotely dark. Yeah, I know. It kind of it kind of broke through the wall into <laughs> into Teletubbies land, I yeah, guess. Yeah, it's like it's like the most bright, colourful, cheery representation of a story about daddy issues, vandalism, and rampant consumerism. I just, it's really weird. I, I, I kind of love it for that, honestly. It just, I, I don't know. There's something about, it's so charming. It just gets under your skin and makes you feel all warm and happy. And I hate and love that. <laughs> it's funny. Like, I'm not super familiar with Japanese literature, but... I don't believe a Western studio could make a game like this. And one of the reasons for that is they couldn't stop themselves from turning it into a criticism or they could, wouldn't be able to stop themselves from, I guess, tapping into the dark humor. But I don't think there's any darkness to the humor. Like it, it's given such a weirdly positive spin yeah. that, yes, in reality, yeah, you're murdering, you know, the population of Earth to make the Katamari, but it doesn't really feel like you are, and I don't think that's what the game is trying to get across. No, I don't think so either. And the commentary that this guy thinks it's making, if that's the point he's trying to make, he's made it very poorly. <laughs> so, yeah, it's certainly unique in its approach, and it's, yeah, very strange and unsettling. Well, in the last level, one of the, the way that the spoilers guys, if you care about the spoilers for Katamari Damity, <laughs> stop listening now. Uh, the image of a listener stopping listening right now is really funny to me, but I'll go... We spoiled it in the premise. <laughs> yeah, I think. I think we did. <laughs> um, so the kind of the kind of accumulation to the story is that the children's father is an astronaut who wants to go to the moon, but the drunken king of all cosmos destroyed the moon by accident, so the final level level is you putting the moon back together which inadvertently when you're putting the moon back together you end up rolling up everything on the planet and putting it into the sky and like the very final score screen is this family like on the katamari moon that you've made like guys we made it to space with no no space helmets on or anything they're just overjoyed to be in the sky so no i don't think anyone's actually dying somehow but uh, yeah the game has a really really cheerful atmosphere about it that kind of masks its uh weird dark undertones Talking about that, one of the things that I think Katamari Damacy does brilliantly is the way it ramps up into a climax. Yes. <laughs> because the climax of this game, like the final level, is the best level yeah. by far. Because you finally get to see... Because, you know, you keep getting stopped with the size of your Katamari, but the final level, you start off uh, with a tiny one that's 5 centimeters or 50 centimeters, something quite small, and you just go as big as you possibly can. And it's you get 25 minutes and it's just delightful taking it all the way up the chain from tiny to to you being a Goliath. To being like, yeah, like a quarter of the size of the planet or something. It's insane. Yes. And it is absolutely a joy to experience. Like this game's progression in each level is like really, really enjoyable. Like I love getting to the end of a level and just feeling like an unstoppable machine. It really feels like you're being rewarded for all that effort you put in at the start. Every time you get to take revenge, on one of the animals it's yes, very satisfying yes. because when you're when you're small like when you're tiny like a mouse will cause you issues 
but then you get big enough to consume the mouse in your yeah. Katamari, and when you do, it feels great. When you start rolling up skyscrapers and you can hear all the people screaming inside them, it's really, uh, really, uh, really off-putting at parts. But you know, you got to keep going. You got to make that star as big as it can. Well, James, I think uh, I think it's about time for a music break, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's true. Oh my god, this game's soundtrack is something else as well. Like the whole game is. Something something else but the soundtrack is definitely something else how do you describe it i i don't even know it's like it's like pop i can only describe it as katamari music there's like (laughs) there's all sorts of like kinds of songs there's like there's like jazz there's bossa nova there's um weird experimental electronic tracks there's all sorts of stuff but like the rest of the game everything in the soundtrack feels like it was slapped together but at the same time it's extremely cohesive and i really really enjoyed that about it so did we want to give uh the audience a taste of one of these and then have a bit of a broader discussion about the music yeah sure so um my favorite track um and honestly there's there's a lot of great tracks was called is called katamari on the rocks it's pretty much the first i think it's the first level song it's it's one of the very early ones you hear it's one of the main themes of the game yeah yeah and i i struggle to describe it except i'd say it's got a lot of energy to it a lot of the tracks on that like there's a lot of vocals and this has some of my favorite vocals and it just it just keeps you going as you gradually roll up with that uh, giant katamari in mind. So this is uh, Katamari on the Rocks. was Katamari on the Rocks, which is an excellent track, like much of the rest of Katamari's soundtrack. I was very surprised about the high quality of the soundtrack in this game, and kind of on reflection, I think that this game is as reliant on its good soundtrack as a game like Guitar Hero is on its soundtrack, which seems absurd considering that Katamari's soundtrack isn't part of the gameplay, but in order to craft this kind of like zen, cheerful experience, you know, it makes use of its really strong soundtrack to that end very well. Like, um, I don't think this game would be anywhere near as good or as enjoyable as it is without the soundtrack. Like, I found myself you know pre- mashing that next level button just to hear what was next sometimes yeah if you were to play this game without music i think it would 
actually take on a completely different tone. Like, uh, can you imagine just silently rolling around as you crunch <laughs> human beings and other animals up into your katamari? Yeah. <laughs> you need the the weird, upbeat, vocal-driven soundtrack to deliver the right sort of tone and atmosphere to your uh, wanton destruction. Yeah, every track in this game is very, like, upbeat and, like, optimistic almost. And they really well capture the quote-unquote tone that katamari is going for, which again i don't know how to put into words but it's there and you know it uses all sorts of music from jazz to pop rock and again you know uh more experimental electronic tracks and some bossa novas they're like at first blush every song on this soundtrack seems like it was just slapped together but by the end you know that's not the case these are each on there for a reason and they're all great yeah when i think of the soundtrack it's like Ba 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 ba. It's just like <laughs> thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. It's just this like upbeat. Everyone's singing. Everyone's dancing. Uh, but it's it also like you said, it hits you with the variety. Like there's that um the one make a wish on a star song. That's uh, yes. It's a bit. It feels a bit more like a traditional Western pop song out of nowhere. Yeah. It's uh. Yeah, it's something special. It doesn't really have, once again, it doesn't really have a comparison point, uh, but uh, it's very well done. I love the music. Yeah, and like you said, I don't think this is a soundtrack that could really exist in a Western game either, like the rest of the game. One of my favorite tracks on the soundtrack is that song that plays every time you start a new level and you're having that discussion with your father. Starts off with those, like, that really ominous, sinister tones for a few seconds and then very quickly transitions into something a little more humorous, which kind of, like, I don't know, highlights that relationship that the king of all cosmos has with his diminutive son, um, which is one of just, like, absolute arrogance. <laughs> like, the king in this game just thinks nothing of his child and just like brushes him aside constantly berating him for not succeeding often and like being small in comparison to his massive you know planet-sized body just uh, it's so funny i really like yeah, he's careless he loses all his presence <laughs> yeah I... um th there was one song i wanted to highlight as um making me uh uncomfortable yeah and that was the one called you are smart you are so, smart <laughs> i know they all, they all have ridiculous names but that was one it was it was weird because most of them made me feel good and upbeat but i just wanted to highlight that as one that made me feel uncomfortable there was something about how the noises were jumping about on both sides of my headphones yeah. where i started to feel actual anxiety which is <laughs> a really weird thing to happen when you're just listening to music but do you think that was intentional like is that a benefit to the game or is it unintentional and you did dislike it because of that i don't know because it was the only track that did it and i don't think the game is trying to make me feel anxious so i don't know if it was just a weird one-off but uh yeah that that made me feel unsettled and uncomfortable so you, you can listen to that one as well you are smart but you won't feel, feel very smart after listening to it i'll tell you that much yeah, that was one of the weaker tracks and what's otherwise a really good soundtrack. Um, I think my favourite track was probably A Crimson Rose and A Gin Tonic, which is that one. This is the song that really made me fall in love with the soundtrack of this game. It's like that jazzy one with the like the scat kind of singing style throughout it. I think it plays in maybe the second or the third level, and I just like, as soon as I started listening, like I'm a big jazz fan, right? And I loved that song, and 
as soon as I finished that level, I was right into the next level hoping for more of that. And this game definitely delivers. I think overall as a package, the soundtrack here is excellent. Yeah, and each and every level has its own soundtrack. So uh, it keeps mixing it up and giving you new sounds while still, as you said, hitting that Katamari Damacy tone. So yeah, No other way job. to describe it, right? <laughs> Did, um, did you want to talk about the general graphics and aesthetics? Yeah, sure. Um, Katamari in general has a very simple art style, which I think is very fair considering the amount of objects that it's trying to render on screen. Something that I found interesting about this game is that usually um, level designers will make a level and then like, you know, to make it feel more lived in, they'll fill it with heaps of random clutter on the side that you won't really pay too much attention to, but helps to make it seem a bit more, you know, high budget. But Unlike those, Katamari Damacy is all about that clutter. It's like that clutter is the main focus of the entire game. And it's probably the only game out there where this is the case, right? Yeah, um, I was going to say that I thought it, it's kind of boring, right? Like the game is so zany and weird and wacky. But I guess it stands in stark contrast to the actual world and objects in the world, which are all boring, ordinary household items for the most yeah. part. And that includes like the color scheme, which is just, you know, you're going to houses and shops and things like that. Uh, it's interesting. Um, the creativity comes in how it's actually arranged, but the actual world when you compare it to something like Psychonauts, where the level design is wacky and insane and beautiful, this is just boring houses and gardens and roads. Yeah, right? yeah, no, definitely. Um, I think that's the case. And I think that, I don't know if you got that feeling, but I felt there was this weird, like, there is this park, for example, that you're walking around, and there is this bear walking on two legs, wearing a human t-shirt and holding, like, a balloon, just walking about. And there is all sorts of absurdity in contrast with this really mm -hmm. simple art style. So I agree with you that there's this really bland kind of aspect of the graphics, but I think it does work well, and... Most importantly, it's quite clear in communicating where objects are. Like, it's very easy to tell um, what you can and can't pick up for the most part. You know, sometimes you'll see something and not be quite sure if you can pick it up. But it's very obvious, you know, what's an item to be rolled into, which is honestly the majority of the, like, things in this game. Yeah, I did struggle a bit at first with identifying, you know, what is the exact size I need to be to roll up certain objects. Yep, yep. Because it seems like certain objects, uh, it's like a combination of weight and size. Yes. There are things like the tall sunflowers, which are quite tall, but which you can roll up when you're smaller than them because, you know, it's just a thin stemmed flower. Yes. And then there are things which are smaller and denser. And there's a little bit of guesswork involved, but it's never too difficult. And, you know, the punishment for it is small enough that it doesn't really matter. Yeah, and I think there's a bit of satisfaction in, like, bumping into something, failing, and then coming back and, you know, feeling kind of smug. You're like, ha, stupid cat, now you're part of my ball kind of thing. <laughs> the, the criticisms I have, like, it's weird. I can't really say in good faith that I dislike the bland art style because I don't have yeah. a comparison point. Like, I can't say, 
well, what if they did it like this? Because literally no other, no other game has <laughs> no other game is like this? Even remotely similar. I guess Donut County would be the closest. I came to a very similar conclusion. Like, the graphics won't blow your mind at all. Like, in fact, they're very simple, very bland, but they don't look bad. They look fine. Like, I like the way Katamari looks. I think it's got a very... It is stylized, right? It's this blocky Lego-like. Yeah, with very like very simple colour schemes without a lot of detail and everything. I like the way Katamari looks. I think it's very simple and that's fine. I, it doesn't get in the way of playing the game. It has a very like unique tone that the graphics help to convey as well. So mm -hmm. I would never tell somebody to play this game because it looks cool, but this game looks fine. And especially on the reroll version that we played is absolutely perfectly serviceable. And yeah, I do have to applaud the creativity of the things they did with these with objects. the levels yeah and yeah. the objects the way there'll be like a kid on top of a bear and the bears in a tricycle yeah. basket <laughs> being you know remote controlled by someone else or there are objects and they just keep scaling them up so you'll have a bear and then you'll have a larger bear and then you'll have a bear the size of a building yeah and it doesn't really care it just keeps making objects larger and larger to their hearts get yeah there. and i really liked once you get like kind of skyscraper size you start to notice things like godzilla and these superheroes the same <laughs> size and all sorts of weird and wonderful stuff that really like pushed me to keep exploring to see what crazy things I could find throughout the world. I think that the craziness and the direction really helps to make the game world enjoyable to roll around in. I think that if it wasn't as visually interesting, if a bit simple, it wouldn't be anywhere near as fun to play. It's interesting because when we talk about exploration in video games, it's normally, you know, you're going to new areas and places. Whereas with Katamari Damacy, it's more that your perspective of those places is changing. Yeah. So you start off small and you don't even, you can't even begin to notice the cool thing that's happening right, right next to you because you're too small to appreciate it. And then as you grow, it becomes clearer, clearer and clearer. And clearer. And clearer. Like, yeah. like when that uh, superhero was, you know, spinning Godzilla around with his hands, you you don't you don't fully see it until you're of a, an appropriate massive part. size. Yeah, and yeah. heaps of the level isn't even available to you until you're tall enough to climb the little ledges. Which, like, it's a very simple way of gating the player, but it was very effective. I found. Yeah, that, that's one of the things the game does best in in warping perspective and how you see the world completely differently as you as you gradually increase in size it's not just the immediate oh now i can you know now i can roll over that cat that was giving me grief earlier yeah. <laughs> it's also how your perspective keeps shrinking out and you keep seeing the world as a larger and larger place ledges are the best example what was once you know a wall that you could never hope to overcome is now a slight speed bump <laughs> yeah and like spoilers for one of the later levels but the initial level that you initially spawned in like this giant island that took you like 10 minutes to explore is suddenly just a tiny object that's also part of your katamari by the end it's like mm -hmm. it's incredible and mind-blowing at the sense of scale that you get on those later levels and it's just so immensely satisfying like 
Um, I don't think there's a progression in a level that I can think of that I can compare to that final level in this game. It was absolutely a joy to play for me. Yeah, I guess that's all I have to say about the general aesthetics, but I wanted to touch on sound a bit as well. Again? Yeah, yeah, sure. Let's go. So it's not not music, but specifically the sound effects, because uh, every single object you roll up in this game has its own sound effect. <laughs> yeah, it does. And uh, <laughs> I have to say my favorite one, and there's a lot of good ones, is definitely the cat, because it makes like yeah, this when... remorseful <laughs> meow. <laughs> And it's like completely deadpan. It's not upset. It's not shrieking. It's just kind of like I am resigned to my fate as part of this Katamari ball. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. And I like even just the like generic collection sound is quite satisfying near the end because, you know, when you roll at something and you're not sure if you can quite pick it up and you hear that little like confirmation mm-hmm. of the pickup, it's like it yeah. feels good. It feels good. You know, really you roll good. over a tricycle and it makes a ringing noise and Yeah, and much to the much to the game's credit, they have a number of variations on this sound. So when you pick up a whole heap of things, you don't get like blasted <laughs> with this sound repeating sound effect over and over there's three or four of them which helps really helps when you're hearing this one sound effect thousands and thousands of times in every level the the worst instance of it was when you know how the policemen shoot their guns at you and it does nothing (laughs) which is quite amusing nothing i I thought you know oh no they're going to shoot off bits of my katamari but no it does absolutely nothing uh, there was one level where that shooting sound effect kind of started looping for me and I had to listen to it for a minute and a half. So that was that was pretty frustrating. Yeah, sometimes when they get caught in the ball, they just keep shooting like they're trying to get out of the ball, which I found was funny. Um, yeah. Um, this game has a few little things to find out in the game world. There are little cosmetics that you can get for the main character, and there's also some unlockable playable characters as well. Did you find any of these? Um, from what I read, the unlockable characters were only available after the first run-through, is that correct? Yes, I believe so, yeah, because I, di- I didn't find too many of mine. but uh... I, found, I found two of the, I don't know, 20 presents, but then again, I wasn't I wasn't really looking for them, so I, I don't know. Um, I guess it's like a nice little bonus, but I was too overwhelmed with stuff to be <laughs> looking for a specific present, I guess. But it adds a nice bit of, you know, re- bit of replayability, I guess, if you want to play it again. Yeah, and the game does have an m- online multiplayer mode, so if you want to make your character look a bit different when you play against other people, that's totally cool too. Um, these little side things don't you know aren't required objectives they're just like a little nice fun thing for you to find if you want and i found that um all of the clothes and the presents that i did find in the world were in like really funny places so like i enjoyed finding them when i did find them but there's no like real pressure to go out of your way um you just kind of stumble on them and it's really funny when you do so james i i have a question for you do you think this game has any replayability at all um that's an interesting one. While on this, like, while overall it is a score-based game, I don't think the structures of the levels necessarily lend themselves to replayability as much as you kind of think they would on first blow. I can totally see going back to the earlier levels once you've gotten a lot better to see if you can beat your high score, but I don't think this is the kind of game that, you know, I'd reap, like, I'd play over and over again. 
but it is one I could definitely see picking up from time to time just to play one level in seven minutes, you know, because, uh, you know, it's really relaxing and fun to play. I don't think I'll ever play this game ever again. Ever again? Yeah, so I think that this was like a fantastic experience and I loved it. I loved going from tiny Katamari to enormous one. But once you've experienced it, which it's worth doing, but once you've experienced it, like where's the value in experiencing it again? You know, you've gone from the smallest Katamari to the largest Katamari. Yeah. You've experienced all that novelty. And to me, once you've done it, the novelty has completely worn off. Yeah, um, I can totally see that perspective. I think that it's the kind of game that i'd probably play again in a few years maybe one or two levels i don't think i'd play the entire game again but i could definitely see myself picking it up for like a little spin every now and then it's like i kind of wish i'd bought this game on switch just because it'd be a really easy thing just to fill a little bit of time when you've got nothing else to do totally get your point though um i think there is this level of novelty and unique experience that i'm never going to have with it ever again and i while i do very much treasure that initial experience because it was fantastic i don't think playing the game again is ever going to give me that same feeling well that's the thing it's kind of like it's a one trick pony right yeah. like and the truth is you're doing this mechanically you're doing the, the same, same thing, thing every yep. single level yeah, it's it mechanically it's exactly the same thing over and over again. The thing that makes it interesting and fun is the changing sense of scale. But that's all a trick, right? Because mechanically you're just rolling up objects. Yeah, correct. Uh, yeah. Of different sizes. Yeah, it's the coolness of what those objects seem to be and the really smooth transition in which it employs that I think is what makes it so enjoyable. So I think like from a mechanical standpoint, uh, this game like kind of has shown its whole hand 30 to 45 minutes in. It's just that the presentation is so brilliant that it, it keeps you going for its five hour playtime or however long it is. Yeah. And I don't think there's too much more that, um, it can honestly do, although this game does have a couple of sequels, so I'd probably be interested in playing the other games, but I don't think... Yeah, you're right, there isn't too much value in going back to play this one again for me. Well, uh, if there's nothing else, James, do you want to move on to our final music break before we wrap up? Yeah, sure. Um, so let's go with my favourite song, which I was kind of debating on playing this one or not because it's going to be hard for me to edit in, but <laughs> I think it's worth it because I just love it so much. So here's a Crimson Rose and Gin Tonic, guys. Ba 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 
So that was James's favorite song, A Crimson Rose and Gin Tonic. So uh, I think we've gone over most of what the game has to offer. So it's time to move on to our final impressions and whether we'd recommend it or not. So Jimmy, if you want to take us away, what do you think of Katamari Damacy? Oh, it's brilliant. Play this game. Just absolutely play this game. It's not long. Each level can be beaten in about 7 to 10 minutes, except maybe the final level, which is 20. But this is an experience unlike any other out on the market. You're not going to play a game like this ever if you don't play this exact one. And uh, for very obvious reasons, Katamari Damacy is a weird and wonderful game, but it's full of charm and wonder and just an overwhelming sense of progression and scale that I don't think I've ever gotten from any other game, especially considering that there is the re-roll version out that we played with enhanced graphics that's very easy to pick up on Steam or the Nintendo Switch. Um, yeah, I absolutely recommend this game. It's got one of the best soundtracks we've reviewed on this show to date, and it's an absolute joy, a simple joy to play. On a pure, on a raw, fun to time spent on its scale, this is probably the most, <laughs> I don't want to say efficient, but kind of fun for the amount of time that I put into a game that we've done so far. I had a blast playing this game and would absolutely recommend it to anybody. So I reluctantly have to broadly agree with you, James. You've picked a good one. <laughs> um, I had a lot more fun with Katamari Damacy than I was even expecting. Uh, there is something unique and wonderful about going from, you know, rolling up thumbtacks to rolling up islands and everything in between. I loved the progression of, uh, of rolling up animals to rolling up people to rolling up cars to rolling up buildings and so on and so forth. When I rolled up my first person, I felt so happy that that was the thing that was happening. <laughs> I was scared that the game was going to say, no you can't roll up organic material or whatever but nope it lets you <laughs> just lets you pick up whatever you want <laughs> just lets you pick up whatever you want so i had a great time with this game i think um as james said the weirdness uh, the aesthetics all adds to its sense of charm it's a unique joyful experience i think there's zero replayability of it like it's a one and done kind of game but those three to five hours you spend playing this game are, are truly to be treasured. So it's worth doing. Get this game on Switch or PC, whatever you want to do. I will say one thing, which is that you should stick with the weird controls. They're uncomfortable at first, but by the end of the game, it actually feels really good. And it's the perfect control scheme for this game. So it takes a while to get used to, but it's not a bad control scheme. It's just a unique control scheme for a truly unique game. So two thumbs up. Great game. If somebody had told me like a year ago that the game that we were going to pretty much agree on completely was Katamari Damacy, I would have told them they were crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that says about me and what you think my taste in games are. But uh, I assumed, yeah, I assumed you'd always like this game. I don't know. It is true that novelty normally isn't a, uh, a big thing for me and I'm more into the mechanics. But um, guess what? This one successfully pulled the wool over my eyes. 
unlike something like Psychonauts. <laughs> I guess I couldn't see past the presentation. To me, the it, it really was just just that wonderful. A complete joyful experience. Yeah, yeah. it really was. Yeah. So yeah, I guess that brings us to the end of the episode. Okay, so uh, thank you so much for to everyone for listening to us uh, gab on about. Katamari Damacy uh, re-roll. We are the Retrospectors podcast. My name is Patrick Arthur and my co-host today has been James Turlings. Um, you can find all of our content at rspodcast.net. We've got all of our pods there, um, but we've also got heaps of articles, uh, mainly written by yours truly. I write about all the games we've played and also a few modern games here or there. And embarrassingly, also an article about an anime I watch. But uh, don't don't pay any attention to that if you're a video game fan. <laughs> uh, we would love if you were to join our Discord. Uh, we've got a pretty good community building. Um, lots of discussion and arguments about what games are good and bad and uh, whose opinion is better, mine or James. So please join us. It'll be in the show notes. You can suggest future games for us. You can ask us mailbag questions or you can just join the conversation in general. Yeah, there's a lot of arguments too. Maybe it wasn't apparent on this episode, but we spend the majority of most of our episodes arguing, so I think that says a lot of good about Katamari. Yeah, I'm in um, shock but... the degree to which we agreed this episode. <laughs> but yeah, if you want to come over and uh, join in the arguments and other discussions, feel free to hit us up on Discord. We'd love to have you. Uh, so yeah, that just nearly wraps us up. But before we do, I'll, we'll talk about what we're doing for the next fortnight. And we're doing a big game on the recommendation of our mutual friend, Ben, also known as Do Baldur's Gate 2, You Cowards, on the Discord, <laughs> which uh, we're refusing to do because it's like an 80-hour game. And unfortunately, we have jobs. Yeah. Maybe far in the future, but uh he Maybe far in the future when we both get fired. Exactly. <laughs> so instead we're doing a game by the title of Heroes and Might and Magic 3. And I've uh I've claimed this as my game for the Fortnite because it was made by a Western studio. So James, of course, is uh, unable to pick it. Hey, I've got a heap of Western games in the pipeline. You just don't know about them, <laughs> and neither do I. <laughs> so yeah, Heroes of My Magic 3, absolute goliath of a uh, strategy tactics game. Uh, we've both already started it because we needed some prep time. So uh, if you want a deep, in-depth discussion of one of the classics of the turn-based genre, make sure you tune in next fortnight. But until then, happy gaming, everyone. Adios. See ya. See ya.